0: And we are live with our 25th episode of Absolute Absec. I am Ken Johnson at CK Tricky. I remembered to mute the video this time. Thank you very much. To my
1: co-host, Seth Law, at Seth Law on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again. Happy Pioneer or Pie and Beer Day, depending on your your take if you're in Utah. so <clears throat> Pie and Beer sounds delicious. Yes. Yes, it is. I guess, right?
0: to well yeah of course it is uh well pie certainly is i'm not a big beer fan um so today we're joined by scott piper uh scott say hi hey how's it going scott is a so he's we were just talking about this before we started he's got six aws certifications so uh that's amazing. Like first of all, like hat, hats off to you for 6 AWS certifications. Two of which are professional level and I know those aren't easy to obtain. Like
1: that's crazy awesome. So, hats off yeah. to you. <laughs> Thank you. Just, speaking of which, Scott, I mean, like I I mean, I know we're going to get into origin story and things like that right now, but you know, speaking of those 6 certifications, on average, how long does it take you to get through a certification and like how long did it take you to get all of those?
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what, I imagine we'll get into some of my history, but basically I decided to start up a consulting uh, firm and then um, in doing that before I had any clients or anything, you know, I had downtime, so started, you know, trying to take all the different certifications. So, I mean, I basically was studying for those like full time. So within a period of a few weeks, I got the initial five certifications. So three associate level and then two professional level um, did that, had some clients and everything, and then got the um, security specialization. Um, so, but I would say all in all, it's probably about a week, um, you know, pretty, pretty full time, I guess, like studying for them. Uh, some of the, some of the associate levels though, like I took them back to back, like one one on like a monday and the other on a tuesday you know so uh so because a lot of them is really similar um especially for like the the initial five the associate and professional level certifications like once you take one of them you know about 80 percent of the material to take the next one um and so and, and they're all very similar so uh the but the security specialization was like the most different of all of them um that's the one where like you really took you know in looking at the questions, like I could tell I was in the security specialization. Whereas for the other certs, if you just showed me a random question from them, I couldn't tell you which of the certifications it was for. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know we get questions all the time about you know people getting into the industry, and we'll like we'll dig into your background here shortly. But you know some certifications like, I, you know, some of us have done like the OSCP on the penetration testing side, and that's like an all out intense, like months of work to actually get through. So it doesn't surprise me that AWS isn't quite as technical as that, right? Or quite as intense, Mm -hmm. because they do wanna push people to get those certifications. So I just wondered, you know, since we were talking about the certs already, um, you know, what that that was. now, I know, Ken, you, you were going to kind of introduce Scott some more, so I jumped in there, so go ahead.
0: No, yeah, no. I mean, I probably should give... We, we should give everyone a little bit of a background on Scott. So Scott obviously knows a lot about AWS, AWS security um, as well. So basically, Scott runs uh, Summit Route. That's his uh, business. He is a primarily an AWS security um, consultant. And if I'm wrong, compl- definitely feel free to <laughs> correct me. I know you... Um, also, uh, so there's a few projects that, that Scott's built. Uh, one was flaws cloud, which is pretty awesome. It's like an interactive, it's like an interactive kind of gamified, um, kind of learning to hack on AWS. So it's pretty cool. You should definitely check it out. Um, he's built uh, cloud mapper, uh, which is a visualization tool for AWS, um, uh, it's under so both Cloud Mapper and Cloud Tracker are under the Duo Labs, which Scott will explain and get into. They're under the Duo Labs GitHub organization, um, and you know Scott's done speaking uh, Hack West besides SLC. Uh, so I guess when it, when it comes to asking uh, AWS questions and security, um, this would be the pl- that that the time and the place to do it. So, uh, but thank you, Scott, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess the first thing that we typically get into is how did you get into InfoSec? (laughs) What was your path to InfoSec? You know, because it's so weird. Some people like sometimes they, you know, they, they liked programming and then they got their first job and then they kind of like found some SQL injection and that started their path. Or somebody was doing, you know, networking and somehow, you know, decided that they wanted to, to, to switch over to, to AppSec or, you know, whatever the case is. So there's always a different path that people take.
2: Yeah. So I, my, my path was um, probably more direct and like uh, earlier than a lot of people's. Like for me, it was actually sixth grade. I remember I decided I was going to get into like computer programming, decided to do game programming, decided that games weren't really like my it wasn't gonna work for me making games, and so decided to get into security because this was like 1995, like the movie Hackers had come out, and so I was like, "That's what I'm gonna do." Like, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so it was it was very early on, like very focused, and um, so I mean, I, I remember back in the day, like reading Information Warfare by uh, Win Schwartow and uh, just like other books from way back then. And from there like I had the plan of like I'm gonna work at the NSA that's that's like the best place to, to do security like was my assumption as a child which how on earth did I even know that the NSA like existed you know <laughs> or like that was yes. you know a, a path but uh but that was that was the plan and so it was basically just like how can I get there and uh, so went to college and um, started off at Georgia Tech which they were supposed to have this thing called the cyber Course scholarship which was going to basically enable me to go work at the NSA. When I got there though, they ended up not having the funding for it. Um, And so like I was supposed to be one of the first people in it. They didn't get the funding. And so I was like, okay, what do I do? And so like quickly had to figure out new plans, heard about this school in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I didn't even know where Tulsa was. I didn't know where Oklahoma was like none of that, but got on a flight out there and was like, all right, they have the program. So uh, went out there for that. And in Georgia Tech, eventually did get the cybercore scholarship and everything. They were, they were one of the first people to get it, but Tulsa had it a little bit better than that, um, for undergraduates at least. So, so anyways, yeah. So I went, uh, went out to Tulsa, Oklahoma and studied like computer security things and development, and then went off to the NSA and worked as a developer there for a couple of years.
0: Oh, I didn't actually realize that you had, a, you actually ended up doing what you said you're going to do as a kid and you worked yeah. at the NSA. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Ah, <laughs> yeah. that's hilarious.
2: <laughs> yep. I mean, So, yeah, so accomplished that plan. And then um, from there, bounced around to a couple of other like uh, different jobs, commercial vendors and things like that. Um, worked for Norman, um, the antivirus company in Norway. So I worked in Oslo, Norway for a bit. So not Norton, but Norman. Um, they got bought by Blue code and I think then got bought by Symantec or something. Uh, but anyway, so. Uh, Worked for them, worked for other uh, folks, tried to start my own company, um, doing basically like a CrowdStrike Falcon um, type of you know, essentially like a competitor to them, except I had like no idea what I was doing from a business perspective and like bit off way more than I could chew. Like I was trying to do like application whitelisting plus an EDR plus, you know, like all these other features and everything and like coded it up. And I had, eventually I dumped it like open source on GitHub once I realized like I was a total failure in like, you know, trying to trying to make that happen. Uh, but then from there, so, so I'd always been doing development and then switched over um, to join a security team. So I joined uh, Yelp Security team out in san francisco did that Um, my boss there uh who who's awesome he he kept asking me like you know like what 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 can i do to help you progress in your career you know and i was like just let me keep doing what i'm doing i'm loving this you know like this is awesome but like every week he would ask me that and so finally like i was like well um I guess I guess I want to be head of security. So like I guess I want your job. So like are you gonna quit? Like (laughs) what what do we do here? (laughs) And uh so so, anyways, uh eventually the opportunity came up for me to become head of security for um for another company. So I took that opportunity, uh, did that for a bit, um, and then uh from there ended up transitioning into this consulting. Um so done like a lot of different things primarily focused on like software development. That's kind of like my bread and butter and then have also worked like on security teams and being like in charge of security. So like I was head of security in the sense that I was the only security person. <laughs> uh, and so like that gave me a good grasp of just like everything that goes into like the security of a company. Cause like you get like really siloed, you know, a lot of times uh, depending on what you're doing and like being that one person that's in charge of like everything, you know, um, that That was like very eye opening in a sense like I have to take care of you know like our badge readers and our surveillance cameras, and you know like what what is our policy for like fire escapes and you know everything like that so um,
0: did you have anybody if you're the only security person you did you have any were you just like using vendors and cons- and consultancies and stuff like that
2: for or were you it was you, you really have no all me like figuring it out uh we, like we we were um I don't know, like we, we didn't have like the funding to, you know, basically acquire, you know, or, or be able to use other vendors or consultants or anything like that. Um, I, I think like a lesson learned for myself was also like I should have pushed harder to like actually use them because I was doing so many things that I would I know that I was doing almost all of them very poorly, you know, just, just in the sense, like I was stretched so thin, you know, and I'm responsible for everything, you know, like uh, my, our like surveillance cameras, I think was like a nest camera, you know, like, uh, <laughs> as I'm just like trying to like figure everything out. I mean, like it worked well enough, you know, for like what our needs were at the time um, and like coming in from like going from zero to trying to have something. Um, and and we also had the kind of like restriction on us that uh, the, the, uh, I guess executives of the company wanted us to basically practice a lot of the same security practices that a major bank or someone like that would practice, which means that they were very concerned about any time that we were going to, if we were going to send logs to anybody or we were going to have, you know, like an EDR on our own systems, which was going to be sending logs somewhere. Like that was a concern for them. Um, and so so I, I should have pushed more against that though, just because trying to do all those different things on your own is, is super hard to try and do.
0: No, you definitely can and, and, and you, you might, might like, like the weird the thing about, about that, that is, is that if you're a tech you have this uh kind of craving to to wanna I mean I don't know if this was the case for you but I, I having been in a situation that you know it was like do all these things one person at the time later more one other you, you kind of like are I mean I was anyways I was like oh I kind of want to just get my hands on things and I can do it and those solutions are just snake oil anyways. And, you know, like it, you end up just wanting to like, but then you, it's like you said, you're trying to do everything. You can't do any of it exactly. really well. Yep. You end up stressed out, working too many hours, burnout, all that, yep. that, that, yep. that fun stuff. So <laughs> yeah. Like if, if well, that's you want, I
1: mean, that's if you, Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, that's the danger of, you know, kind of that small company, low budget, right. You know, that you're trying to grow, I mean, you know, Ken and I, you know, went through, you know, a SOC 2, you know, audit or SOC 1, whatever it was, right, type 2 audit. And as as a small company and you're like, oh, yeah, security cameras, right, we we have Nest Cam set up, right? I mean, it's good enough to have yeah, yeah. something like that for sure, but physical security requirements are way less and it's much harder to actually document and follow process because, you know it's one guy and you know, he's got the key to the office and could get in and unplug the camera if he wanted to. Right. Um, What are you going to do? So, yeah,
0: but it's always painful when people want to, want to, they want to, they want a Lamborghini, but they want to spend Honda civic money. You know, like (laughs) you got to give a good budget. You've got to give a good team. If you want like all of the bells and whistles for protecting your, if you want bank level, major financial level institutions, security controls, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to pay for it. You yep. know, that's
2: <laughs> it's it's also hard too. Um, like especially like a lot of those kind of like audits or compliance. Like they're really big on having you know uh, like separation of privilege, you know, or, or separation of duties and least privilege. But like when you're a small company and it's like you doing everything, like it's really hard to be able to say that you have any separation of duties, you know, because uh, it's just you doing everything. You have to like try and coax somebody else to the company to be like hey can you be in charge of this thing you know
0: <laughs> yeah just you're,
2: you're all you got is process yeah
0: <laughs> once a year you gotta sign something so yeah. <laughs> and just don't say a lot to our qsa yep. yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly
0: that's a rough that's a that's a rough challenge but at the same time it sounds like you know, and I think anybody that's ever been in that position, you said you learned a lot and it's absolutely true. Like, even if, even if it, it, even if it's something like where, you know, I don't know, you, you feel like you didn't do the, it didn't, wasn't the best that results that you could have whatever got, like you still learn something from that experience and you take it with you every place you go, you know, like you, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing if, things weren't perfect. You've learned like, Hey, you can't bite off more than you can chew. Like you, you know, outsource what you can. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I learned a lot, which is, helps me now because you know, when I, when I talk with clients, I'm usually talking with like the head of security. And so like, I can, you know, I understand a lot of the other issues that they might have going on, you know, or like, every once in a while, I'll, you know, when, when I do work with a client and they go to give me access to something, you know, I'll, I'll be able to call out not only things that are specific to like AWS security, but to be like, hey, you know, like when I asked, requested this access, like, you know, this person emailed me the passwords and stuff, you know, like you should have a better process in place than, you know, like emailing me um, those things. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be able to mention those types of things in, you know, my, you know, assessment reports or anything like that to them
1: yeah
0: you you know what where they're coming from where their heads at their needs um, yep. you can be a little bit uh, empathetic to to that those requirements excuse me so now you know circling back now now you're doing consulting full time right yep. so you bring all of those lessons learned to that you've acquired with you everywhere you go mm-hmm. um and one of the questions I had uh were like when it comes to, I mean, there's, we could go in, in any direction, you know, I mean, there's two things I'm interested in. What are the the, the challenges that you see um, from like a software security perspective or what challenges do you see from like an AWS uh, security standpoint for, you know, your typical organization? Mm-hmm. If there um, is such a thing as a typical organization.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I've worked um, with clients that that range from, you know, very small, they have like Five EC2s, which is the VMs, basically that you're running in AWS, to um, to a fortune like 100 that had you know like hundreds of AWS accounts, and so they have you know like very very many number of EC2s, you know running running throughout that, along with using like every other AWS service there. Um, so so I mean it's it's really interesting that like in in some ways. Some things become easier, you know, in, in the AWS environment versus on-prem. Like you have access to these APIs that can tell you all the different things that are basically connected to one another, you know, or that your security groups and, and what things you know potentially could talk to one another, and you have APIs to be able to see, you know, what. What servers exist and things like that, you know, versus the on-prem environment where you know you you have to chase cables around or, or something in order to try and figure out those connections. Um, and so so it gives you a lot of that additional value, a lot of those like insights. But there's like no tooling for any of these things, which is like kind of interesting. And, and, and AWS themselves um, they've provided a ton of APIs and stuff like that, but like they don't they don't sponsor any of the tooling or anything along those lines. You know, like even though you know I do consulting purely. On AWS things. Like, AWS does not give me, they don't even give me any credits to be able to use like AWS services or anything like that. so, so myself and, you know, a number of other companies have had to build up these different tools. Um, Netflix, for example, has done tons of different AWS security tools. They, they have Security Monkey, which people are uh, pretty aware of, and they have a number of other, like, monkey tools, Chaos Monkey and things like that. Um, and then just a whole bunch of other tools. And then, um, like, uh, Capital One, they have a tool called Cloud Custodian. Um, there's Bridgewater. They're, they're doing a lot of interesting things recently related to, um, like, automated reasoning and stuff stuff um on things on AWS so so, yes, yeah. so, I mean, there's all these like companies that are having to build these things themselves. Um, and, and right now there's, there's not a lot of uh, like vendors out there for AWS things that, that are doing too many unique things, I would say. Like they're, they're all kind of helping with compliance pr- processes, you know, or helping you check things. But they, they don't. I don't think that they're spending like a lot of R&D dollars or anything like that on actually trying to find new things that can be done with this. And so that's why a lot of companies are having to do those things themselves.
1: Yeah, It's interesting that you should say that we went to, uh, I mean, Ken and I were both at reInvent a couple of years ago and that was our big complaint about the security tooling or the security companies that were there. It was all like, Oh, we're going to check your compliance, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to look at your S3 buckets. We're going to look at your security policies and then we're going to tell you X, Y, and Z. But uh, like, it didn't really dig into the the fundamentals. I, you know, I I mean, I got more, like I definitely get more use out of like the weird owl tool that Ken and uh, Chris came out with than I did out of some of that stuff that we saw at at, 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 uh, reinvent. And that doesn't mean that there wasn't good sessions that were there, but some of the most interesting ones that we went to were to your point from cap one, from Netflix, like the guys that are really in the internals and really trying to, you know, take that a step further than just, Hey, I'm just looking at the YAML that's coming out and then doing a little bit of analysis. And then I'm putting in a pretty dashboard. Right. Yep. Um, and, then, and that kind of brings us to some of those things that yeah I mean you brought up that you wanted to talk about but I know I know you're known for you know first of all like cloud mapper and cloud tracker right mm-hmm. um, those tools that, that you developed in conjunction with dual labs um, so you know um and maybe we can jump into that a little bit, unless, Ken, you had something else that you wanted to...
0: No, I was curious what the impetus was for building Cloud Mapper and Cloud Tracker. Like, what was the driving force behind it? What made you want to want to build those tools?
2: Yeah, so, so I mean, I'll, I'll start with, like, the origin story also of, like, flaws.cloud, which was kind of, like, the first, um, like, big AWS project that I worked on. And so that was actually while I was running his, um being in charge of security for that company, um, I built Flaws Dog Cloud for like my own DevOps guys to make sure that they were aware of the things that I was most scared of, you know, in the AWS environment. And in building that, I figured, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm releasing this thing, you know, for my own guys. I think I can build it in such a way that I can release it like publicly and hopefully not end up with like a massive AWS bill or anything. Um, and so, so I was able to release that. And then once I released that, uh, that was when like I started getting questions from people, just like random people that had seen it being like, Hey, can you help me with AWS things? And so from there, that was really when I was like, looks like there's an opportunity to do something with AWS consulting and kind of my role as, you know, being in charge of security. I felt like I had kind of brought that company as far as I was capable of bringing them at the time. So it was like time for me to wind down from that. And so that's, that's how I got into starting, you know, my own consulting business. Um, but then, but then, yeah. So I, I started working with um, Duo Security on, on some things with them, and you know, as kind of like that contract was winding down with them, they asked me like, "Hey, what are your next steps?" You know, like what do you have a new client lined up like what, what are you planning on doing and I was like you know um, I've had some ideas for some tools that I want to build uh, but you know I, I just haven't had time to so I think I'm just gonna like take a break from any clients I'm gonna focus on building these tools and the duo was like you know you're gonna get a new client and you're never gonna build those tools <laughs> like you're, you're gonna have the opportunity between you know like make money you know for a new client or do this thing for like free <laughs> you know like that that won't ever happen um, so they were they were super cool and they they were we're also like you know we we also actually want those tools to exist you know like so how about you know like we we make an arrangement that you know you build them you know with us and that'll give you access to you know by building it with was able to get you know able to use it in their environments you know so use it in a live customer environment as opposed to me trying to stand up my own little you know test environments or something like that um, you know and actually talk with like their devops guys to be you know ask them like hey does this map that's being generated from this tool does this map your understanding of what the environment looks like you know um and so and, and be able to do that across like all their other environments and since so, um and so so yeah so anyways was able to build it with them worked out super well and so that's why it's released under um, the duo labs name um, but yeah and in uh what what these different tools are I should mention is uh so there's cloud mapper and so it's its original purpose was to be able to diagram networks and so it looks at the ec twos running the environment it looks at uh, the you know RDS instances basically all these different resources and then it looks at what's called the security groups or, or firewall rules and un, and from that it's able to determine what can talk to which other things in the environment and so then it's able to just draw this out make a you know make a diagram um, and be able to show here's your EC2 instances. These are the, you know, uh, subnets and VPCs and regions that they exist in. And then this is the other things that they can talk to. And, you know, these are the ones that are publicly exposed from the internet. And so it's able to show all those different things and do it in such a way that like you can, uh, it's like a, um, interactive view so you can um, like collapse things and uh, it, expand like different nodes and so you can play around with it and you know move things around to match kind of like what what you want it to look like as opposed to just generating a static image like you would do with like a graph biz or something like that. Um, so, so, yeah, so that was, that was Cloud Mapper. Um, and then Cloud Tracker is my other tool, which basically helps you do uh, least privilege on AWS. And so what it does is it looks at your IM policies um, to understand what are the privileges that you've granted to the different users and roles. And then it looks at the... Um, the cloud trail logs to see the API calls that have actually been called, and then it does a diff of those, and so it's able to see here are the privileges that were granted, here are the privileges that were actually used, um, and so here are the privileges that you can remove from that user, and it won't impact them because they've never actually used those privileges before. Um, so that those those are kind of like what those tools were originally.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I like I, I got to tell you, I like the the whole. So what's funny is. When Seth mentioned we went to reInvent, Jason Chan from Netflix talked about, and I can't, I'm actually trying to, I've been trying to Google, try to figure out what, what. You're probably going to
2: talk about RepoKid, I'm guessing, is their tool, which is similar to Cloud Tracker.
0: Well, no, no, no. This,
2: what was it called? RepoKid. And then they uh, had another tool called Aardvark that works along with it. Um, and it wasn't those tools. This was okay. a
0: tool that we had seen in, I think, at reInvent 2017, I want to say. Or 2016, I can't remember at this point, but uh, th- but they talked about it. And then I was bugging Jason like, when's it gonna be released? And then it never got released. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, it never got released. I mean, I, this was like a year after he had talked about it. It was still hadn't been released. So maybe never. But it, but it, maybe it was poured into the new tool that you just mentioned because this was the thing I was trying to get. Mm-hmm. Was like this this exact functionality. Yep. Like so, it's just cool that you 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 ended up building that because, like I said. We we're like, where is this tool? We want it. Like Yeah, yeah so
2: so Netflix had built a similar tool um, called Repo uh which uses this other thing called Ardvark. And basically what it does is instead of using Cloud Trail, it's using Access Advisor, um, which is another service at AWS. Um, but that, that doesn't have as fine granularity as the Cloud Trail logs does, because Access Advisor will tell you a user-used EC2, but it doesn't tell you like well, did they use it in the past week, or did they use it like five years ago? And it doesn't tell you like did they use it to uh, start an EC2 instance or kill an EC2 instance or what? Um, so it doesn't give you that finer granularity. Um, so they they had built and released that tool. Um, they also had an internal tool called Repo Man, which they kind of discussed and mentioned a couple times, which did actually use CloudTrail logs, but they never released it. And so that was
0: the one that I'm thinking of because I remember if I remember correctly, it actually revoked permissions as well. And, and- It it didn't just alert, but it would, like, revoke, and then people had to, like, ask for it back.
2: Yep. Yeah, so we, like... Netflix and I kind of approach things from different like philosophies. Their, their view is, you know, they have a massive scale. They have all these people, you know, and uh, all these different services and they want the ability to just automatically like revoke things, you know, and, and be able to make those automated remediations to things. Um, whereas for me doing consulting, I need to be able to come in and give someone advice and not actually like kill their services and break their business, you know? So, so we, we had to have like those differences between the tools. Um, That was that was kind of like one of the main uh, differences there.
0: Yeah. Breaking stuff is typically not what you want to do as a consultant. That's (laughs) it's okay. It's possibly more acceptable to do that internally, uh, depending on many factors. But uh, as a consultant,
2: yeah, not so much. Yes, know awesome. is definitely more of like an interactive tool where like it, it is not providing you like an automatic report of like, here's the changes you can make. It's more of like, hey, for this user, whenever they assumed into this role, did, did they make, you know, like what, what are the privileges that they made use of or not? Um, so it allows you kind of like to ask questions. Um, and so eventually I'll make it more automated and make it like a little bit easier to use. But like that's the current state of things um, that, that exists at right now.
0: I mean, I have other questions, which we'll get to, uh, and I'm sure Seth has his questions. I have some questions about sort of like what your customers ask for normally and whatnot. But before we get to that, uh, there was a question asked, which was, uh, when you started the consultancy, did you... So when you started, did you start it with clients or without clients? Like, did you already have like even just one client who... Nope. <laughs> you know, I was like, no. you just. You just I said. mean, I,
2: I had I had those people like asking me like questions for help and things, um, but really, kind of the like the defining moment for it was is after I'd released flaws.cloud, One of the people that asked me questions was someone in a meetup group up in Chicago, um, and they said like, Hey, can you talk at our meetup group about Flaws? And I was like. I would love to but i'm living in denver right now and like so i'm sorry like i can't i can't go there and they were like we'll pay for your flight and hotel and i was like oh so so now like it it got changed between like this and and i was i was still like you know kind of scared from having previously tried to start a company which made zero dollars ever you know (laughs) like i never got a customer check ever and so like this time around like someone I wasn't going to make any money off of this because they're just paying for flight and hotel, you know, but like someone was willing to write me a check for a couple hundred dollars, you know, to, to fly out there and stay there, you know, for the night in order to, you know, deliver um, this presentation. And so like, that was like a defining moment for me of like, okay, someone is willing to pay me money. Like there, there is a need for this clearly. And like, especially in that case where like, I'd never talked about flaws ever, you know, like this was going to be my first like speaking engagement about it in any way, shape or form. And this random person was like willing to, you know, send me money for it. Um, So, so that was like the big defining factor. And so that was really like I, I got very close to the point at which this meetup was going to happen before I decided to resign from my position because I, I really realized like okay. When I go up there and i talk in talking from that group, I either have to, you know, go up there and say like, "Hey, I work at this company, and you should, you know, come work for us," or I go up there and say, "Hey, I'm starting a consulting business. You should, you know, have, like hire me to do some work for you." Um, and so, so that was like what really happened there. Um, and so, you know, ended up resigning, um, and, you know, gave that presentation there and got zero business out of (laughs) giving that (laughs) presentation. Um, but, uh, but anyways, you know, so I, I, did that. Um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I basically studied up on those different certifications. And like, while that was happening, I was, you know, basically just kind of sending out emails to people that, you know, I had known from, from past. Um, and, and yeah, through that was able to ultimately line up some work.
0: Said that I have had this conversation before where, you know, like it, it, it's weird because sometimes you, you'll do a meetup and well, first of all, sometimes you'll be invited to do a meetup purely because somebody wants to scare the shit out of their developers like they want to scare them and they you know we'll say raise awareness is probably the more pc term (laughs) you know but yeah they want to scare them they they want to you know get them to realize like somebody's somebody's showing that they're somebody's either like built a tool to show exploitation uh, you know and proof of concept something out or you know show them that people are in your case they they are gamifying and showing that like Oh, by the way, yeah, it's a known thing that people are attacking this, and also here's some like different ways that they do it, which is awesome. So sometimes that's the case, sometimes it's you know just um, whatever uh, other thing, but often that's the case. And then the other thing is like sometimes you you'll go there and it's you can never tell. You'll go to these meetups, you'll do these talks, uh, and then maybe 12 months or 18 months later, sometimes someone will be like, "Hey, I saw your talk, and you know could you?" could you do some business, you know, could you consult for us? And you're like, wow, that business lead came out of nowhere a year and a half or two years later, even sometimes, you know?
2: It's, it's crazy. I mean, I, same situation. Like I was just at, um, the AWS summit up in New York. And so, uh, was able to meet with some like Current and like potential clients that I would met in different ways, but like also just tried to like go there and talk with random people and hand out business cards, you know, and do like that hustling, you know. <laughs> and 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 again, like I, I I don't expect any of the people I gave a business card to to ever contact me, you know. They have not, um, and, but uh, but yeah, you never know. I mean, it's all it's all kind of a gamble um, to see what happens with it.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um do you do you get when you get pulled into a company, are you doing like any threat modeling? Are they are they saying, hey, we have uh we have some requirements requirements we have to meet with like encryption and transit at rest, um safe uh backups of this data? Is it uh something else like you know, hardening guidelines and uh automating Security into the into AWS. What are the the things that people are usually trying to figure out?
2: Yeah, so um, so I mean the the main thing that I get called in for is doing like an assessment of someone's AWS environment, and um, the reasons for that are. There's a number of reasons. One is they might be having some type of major funding event happening. Um, You know, like they're getting a new round of funding or something and the investors like want there to be like someone to check things over before, you know, like they actually sign that check over to them and stuff. Um, So like that, that's kind of like one, one of the things is just, you know, basically someone to look over what's happened. Um, Sometimes it'll be uh, You know, uh, the head of security, uh, he might be new um, or he might have recently found out about a business unit that is using AWS in some way and, you know, just doesn't have... Wants, wants an understanding of what those environments are and so you know they're not they're not only interested in getting like a security checkup on it you know to like see what's happening there but they also just want to find out like uh how big is that environment you know <laughs> like like what all do they have going on in there is it, is it just like a couple ec2s or is it like thousands you know like like they, they just you know they're they're either new or, you know, they, they just have no insight into that. Um, So that, that's going to be one of the reasons. Uh, Another reason is, you know, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes it is, you know, just they, they want someone to just double check their work. You know, they, they're, they're, you know, trying to secure things, but they're, you know, like I said, when I was in charge of security, you know, like they're running all these different things. Um, you know, they they have like an AppSec program where they're checking the code. They're, they have, you know, uh, incident response and things for dealing with, you know, the corporate laptops and stuff like that. They're dealing with all these other things. And so they just want someone that, you know, has expertise on AWS to just come in there and, and look at things. And so in terms of like what I do when I actually go into their environment is um, for, for an assessment, what I'll do is I'll get... A, basically read only access. So I can't change anything in their environment. I can't break anything in their environment. And uh, the privileges that are granted in that is, is, um, it- like usually, I'll just ask for the security audit privileges. Uh, but basically, what this means is, like, I can't see the data that exists. You know, so I can see the metadata about things. I can see that there is an S3 bucket and what the policies are on that S3 bucket. But I can't actually see the data that's in, you know, that S3 bucket. And so, you know, that that again, like, if anything were, you know, if my laptop were compromised or anything like that, like, I don't have a copy of any of their data. You know, any of their business data. So for them, it's uh, it's very, it's relatively risk free. For me to you know be doing that type of assessment, um, you know, because because you can think of like you know different pen tests and things that people have. Sometimes you give people like you know full access to a server, you know, to a production server, and they're like, can you hop around from this server to something else? But like just giving them access to that server, you know, like is a scary thing, you know, that you've given them access to a production server or something like that. Um, so, anyways. For what I'm doing, it's relatively low risk for them, and so then what I do is I'm looking for you know some of the standard things that some of the other tools out there will look for, and so this will be things like um, you know S3 buckets that are public to the world, you know, um, and and you know some of the like. You know, and I can I can usually expect in a lot of environments, you know, um, that there's probably going to be like one S3 bucket that might be exposed, depending on like how many accounts I'm looking at and how big these accounts are and stuff like that. And it might just be an S3 bucket that like a developer, like especially as the you know a developer AWS account where they're just doing random things, and so it might be just an S3 bucket that has like a single hello world, you know, like text file, and it's nothing really scary. Um, and then also depending on how old the account is. I'll probably find like that there are access keys that exist in that environment which is basically like your credentials your username and password is the kind of the, the concept there and I'll probably find some that are at least a year old that have never been used in, in a year. And so here are, you know, some creds that just need to be removed, you know, like they're, they're never they haven't been used in a year. Someone probably lost them. Maybe they're on GitHub somewhere, but they're probably just, you know, like they, they never wrote them down and they, they're just not used at all. Um, so like things like that. And so that's, those are things that a lot of the existing tools out there will um, find. But then uh, recently I've added like a ton of functionality to Cloud Mapper to basically look for a whole bunch of other things as well. And so these will be things um, that are kind of like odd configurations that are probably misconfigurations. And so an example of this would be um, someone setting the CIDR uh, for a security group, meaning like, usually you'd have an IP address or something like that, that you're allowing into this firewall. And so usually it would be like a slash 32, meaning like this specific IP address. But sometimes people will make a mistake when they type that in and it will be like a slash three. And so they're accidentally letting in yes. like the whole internet, uh, you know, or, or a large part of it. Um, so you'll you'll find things like that, or you might find a security group that is letting in, you know, to to uh, some port. It is letting in access to a slash thirty two, and then it's additionally the next line is letting in access to 0.0.0 zero slash zero. And so it's like at some point someone tried to narrow, like, to limit this access, but then they ended up just like you know deciding that whatever, they, they couldn't get it to work and they just opened it up to everybody. Um, and so, you know, you'll be able to find things like that. Um, or I have um, also, it allows me to see like um, uh, privilege escalation abilities. So with IEM policies, which is going to be like how you grant privileges to people, um, you can try and limit those privileges. But in depending on what you granted them access to, you might end up accidentally granting them access to like change, privileges that people have. And with that, they can then change their own privileges and now they can become admin in the account. Um, And so like you can spot those types of things. Um, But then along with that, like, again, like I'm also giving people kind of an inventory of things. And so I can tell them like, hey, here are all the admins in your accounts. You know, here are all the, here's statistics on all the different services that you're using. So I can provide that. Um, I also have, uh, when I look at the security groups for any like slash 32s um, or any security groups in there, I also tell them like uh, I I do GIP lookups on that. So I can say like, hey, you know, you have trusted access coming in from, you know, like San Francisco in New York city and, you know, like maybe some random one in India or something like that. And so I'll be like, you know, just want to let you know, maybe you have like some type of third party contract or something in India, but you know, this is potentially an odd thing that maybe you'll shut down, you know, or, or maybe like some guy was on vacation in Florida one time. And so we opened up access to his hotel down there. And so it's like, you should just close that off now. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a lot of just like, it, it just kind of double checking through things, like just looking for things that kind of appear odd. Um, you know, a common thing that I'll find is like cloud formation scripts, which is uh, what's allowing you to have like infrastructure as code where you can basically define like what EC2s you want to have exist and, you know, be able to pass in like um, some parameters to those. And very frequently there's like hard coded passwords and stuff like that in there. And so again, you know, you're able to look at that and say, hey, you know, there's some hard coded passwords. You should, you know, store these in a smarter way and you should roll those because whoever had access to those cloud information scripts now has access to, you know, your production server passwords and stuff. So
1: what's what, interesting. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was
0: going to, I was just going to ask, yeah, I know. I'm just throwing a bunch of questions that yeah. at, at Scott. Um, but uh, so do, when you go in to look at these environments, a couple questions, one, how often are they actually turning on like any of the monitoring uh, services that uh AWS offers. That's that's probably my first question.
2: Yeah. So so I mean there there's a couple services that AWS provides by default um or or has services that you can turn on. And so these include trusted advisor, which will tell you like if you have S3 buckets that are publicly exposed. Um, and as far I, I don't think people are using that very much. Um, just because like the information that that's providing a lot of people don't have a good way of getting that into their sims or something like that um and yeah and so, so there's going to be that service uh there's guard duty is a newer one um and what guard duty does is it allows you to um actually like uh Identify whether or not your access keys are being used from like a Tor node or something like that, or if your EC2s are calling out to crypto mining DNS um, names. Um, so, so it's able to like kind of check some of those things. And guard duty is like. $5 per month per, um, per account per region. It's, it's kind of like confusing how it all works, but it's basically pretty cheap. And they have some additional like costs and fees depending on how much your account is actually being used. Um, and since guard duty is relatively new, it hasn't been turned on in, in very many accounts. Um, you, you also have the horrible uh, kind of restriction that um, with security audit privileges that I mentioned previously, the security audit privileges do not allow you to see whether or not guard duty is turned on, um, and so <laughs> like like that. So, so I recently like put up a blog post basically saying like AWS's IAM managed policies, which security audit is one of those policies, like is is not a best practice like using those things or is almost never the right choice uh just aws is not updating those policies they they either granted way too many per- permissions or not enough you know for example like if if you just want to give someone access to like a single s3 bucket and you're using one of those managed policies like the policies don't restrict to a specific resource so it's just going to give you access to all s3 buckets as opposed to just the one you need uh, so yes, yeah, so they're, they're always either not giving you enough access or they're giving you too much access. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm not asking clients anymore to give me security odd privileges. I'm giving like initially it just made sense cause it was easier. Like they didn't have to, you know, double check anything, but now I just decided like it's too much of a hassle because it doesn't give me the accesses that I actually need and want. So let me just give you like, here's the specific permissions that I want in your account.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I was thinking, because you brought up some good points about, like, you brought up the fact that, you know, there's guard duty and trust advisor. You know, honestly, I was, I was wondering much more at a, at a much more basic level, like, do they have their cloud trail logging enabled? Do they have yeah. any configure cloud watch alerts, you know, is basically like, even at the very most like fundamental levels, are they, or is anyone, or what's, you know, I don't know what the percentage, if you could even
1: ballpark, but. What what are well, that, you? That, fits, that yeah, and that fits right into it. I, actually, Jimmy must asked a question. Ken, um, he he wondered what the top three highest impact changes were that somebody can make in their AWS inform- environment. So it kind of feeds into that, right? Yeah. You know, um, what is it that you're seeing in the environments, right? Like, and you know, what is it that somebody that's stepping into that role or being advising a customer or a you know internal team. Hey these are the three things that I need you to do today versus hey these are the nice to have.
2: Yeah, so um uh so, so let me start off with the cloud trail issue. Um that uh, I I don't it depends it depends on why I'm being like called in to do the assessment. Uh because sometimes like the person will turn it on like a few days before, like I start doing the assessment because it's someone that, you know, suddenly is like, we need to focus on AWS security. Let me like try and figure this stuff out. And that's like one of the first things they do is like turn that on. Uh, But it's it's also important to know that um, CloudTrail, turning on CloudTrail and uh, definitely do it. Like, I don't want to say like, don't do it, but um, but it's no longer as important to turn it on because nowadays um, CloudTrail, it it automatically is recording the previous 90 days. Um, And so that's, that's on by default in every account. Um, It's only, it's, it's not giving you like some of the finer grain details, but it is giving you a lot of that information. So, so which is awesome. Like AWS now does that by default. So you always have 90 days and it can't be turned off. Even if someone tries to disable it or anything like that, that's always going to be there for you. Um, And so I think it has like a slightly different name, like cloud trail event history, Uh, but you'll, you'll be able to find it. If you like, you look inside the cloud trail part of the uh, AWS console. Um, But in terms of like things that they can do to, um, to, I guess, basically like take control of their accounts, you know, or or try and secure them and lock them down. I think um, one is going to be guard duty. It has its warts, you know, like people, people that know guard duty pretty well, know there are a number of ways to get around it. You know, if you want to bypass it, like any other tool, like antivirus or anything like that, like there, there are clearly obvious ways kind of to be able to do things in an account and not have guard duty detect those things. Um, But it is like, super useful. And at like $5 per month, like you have, you should turn it on. Like it's crazy not to turn it on, especially, you know, like how much, you know, other security tools out there uh, potentially cost for you. Um, so yeah, so using guard duty. Um, the other big thing is using some type of SSO provider, so like using Okta or something like that, um, as opposed to making IAM users in your account. Um, and so, so the big benefit behind that is, especially as you get more AWS accounts, um, if someone leaves your company or you know their laptops gets compromised and you want to roll their passwords or something like that, uh, you know, you want to you want to be able to roll their passwords in every AWS account that they have, and so so it becomes much more difficult if you're using IM users versus if you're using just a single identity provider like that. Um, so that's gonna be like your other big thing. And then probably the third one is make sure that you are like pushing these logs and being able to generate alerts with some type of SIM system. Um, so like Air, uh, Airbnb, they have a tool called Stream Alert, which is open source. And so this thing is awesome. It has a lot of the functionality built in automatically, which will automatically alert you whenever like Guard duty um, alerts go off, or like trusted advisor identifies things. Like it has all that built in, so it can check those things. In addition to things like being able to identify if S3 buckets get publicly exposed and stuff like that. Um, so th- those would be probably like the top three things that that I would look at. Um, but I'll, I'll add in like a fourth would be to um, there's some various tools out there that allow you to see like all the IP addresses or domains that are publicly exposed for your accounts. And so just just understanding like what, what is it that you actually have public out there. And so again, cloud mapper has that ability. It has a command in it that'll tell you here are all the different, uh, you know, EC twos or load balancers and stuff like that. that are publicly accessible from the internet and here are the port numbers on them. So then you can go ahead and you can end map scan them, or you can, you know, uh, use some type of tool in order to get screenshots. If it's a web service, that's being able to display these, uh, a web service, like an HTTP server or something like that, uh, behind that that's public.
1: Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it it probably just depends on the organization, like how like mature they're going to be. Definitely. Um, I don't know. I like, I'm, I'm a little surprised at the, the kind of the parallels that go along with what you're doing. And then when we were talking to like Jimmy about the Kubernetes environments and the way that those are, uh, those are set up as well. Right. You know, something like, Uh, you know, a third party, you know, I am, or identity provider, um, Mm -hmm. because the, the tools that are baked into those solutions aren't necessarily as robust or, you know, you have the problem just like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I am struck a little bit that, you know, there, there are, there are similarities between the two, but obviously the, you know, the underlying platform is pretty dissimilar when it really comes down to it. Um, let's see, what else was I going to ask? Specifically, uh, you know, he also asked something about incident response. Mm-hmm. Do you get in, do you get involved in those engagements as well, like with with Have I, I
2: haven't. Um, I, there, I've only had one client reach out to me um, for an incident response issue, and that was uh, you know basically for one of their accounts suddenly the. Cost of it spiked, and they realized there was some crypto mining that happened in that account, and so they wanted me to review CloudTrail logs to basically try and understand what had happened there. Um, and so, you know, spend a few hours just be able to say, like, "Hey, uh, looks like your access keys got exposed on like GitHub or something, and an automated script just went in and spun up EC2 instances. And they didn't do anything else. They didn't like try and read any of their S3 buckets or touch any of their data there. All they did was spin up EC2 instances to mine. Bitcoin um, or some type of cryptocurrency. Um, And so, so yeah, so that's been the only one that I've been involved in, but, but I do want to do a lot more of that, especially like, Um, Nowadays, uh, I'm pretty good at using AWS Athena, which is the service that allows you to query S3 buckets. Um, And so so my Cloud Tracker tool now actually uses Athena behind the scenes. Um, So previously when you use Cloud Tracker, you had to load all of your data into Elasticsearch, um, which was like a super huge pain, especially like for me coming into engagements because like I'm on engagement for one week and I have to spend like the first three days loading data into like an Elasticsearch. instance. And then trying to like look through it as quickly as possible and um, write a report about it. So, uh, so yeah. So now it uses Athena, and so Athena just queries S3 buckets directly. Um, and so, so also for incident response, that's going to be like hugely useful because you know instead of having to download all the uh, CloudTrail logs and then trying you know like unzip them and parse them and stuff like that now it can just run queries directly against them um so that that i hope to be able to do more of in the future um and um uh, and I, in in a few months i'll be giving like a talk at a conference that's related to uh doing incident response like that as well so
0: that's actually a good uh part like or a good segue into one of the questions we typically ask is you know like Are there any places you might be at conference wise uh, attending or otherwise uh, in the, in the upcoming, like we'll say six months that people might be able to uh, stop and chat with you?
2: Yeah. I I mean, I will be in San Francisco in like uh, another two months for a conference out there, Um, but it hasn't been like announced yet or anything. Uh, So, so I I don't want to, I guess, uh, go into too many more details on that. Um, And then, yeah, for for right now, I I do have some more speaking engagements, but they've not been publicly announced yet, unfortunately.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. No, we always ask if, know people want to chat more with you i mean we i know that we and actually let me make sure we put i know we put our your twitter handle inside the uh description of this video but if people want to reach out to you um via uh twitter we got some thanks on your uh on 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 your you answering all these questions as well so it is appreciated um yeah seth um trying to think because uh, we're, we're about to hit that hour yeah. point so um seth anything to add any questions before we
1: no I, I i was gonna say you know scott is local to me so anybody that's here in the utah the you know greater Salt lake city area i, I watch for both of us at you know dc 801 meetups or 801 labs um, i know I mean, some some guys get down further south, eh? like some of the OAS or the Utah. Uh, I can't remember Utah SEC meetups that happen down in you know Thanksgiving Point area. Uh, but I, I don't, you know, personally, I don't get to those as often as I was li- as I would like to. Just you know, personal things or come on, you know, come on here or hit us up on Twitter. Right? Um, how do you actually pronounce your Twitter handle there, Scott? <laughs> I, I started um, looking at it and I was like,
2: zero X. Yeah, it's the uh, so, it's yeah, Dabadoo. So it's written in hex. It's like one of the few words that's like written in hex that wasn't already taken by everybody else, like dead beef and, you know, uh, it's like uh, cafe babe and stuff like that. So so yeah, Dabadoo is, is how it's pronounced.
1: Dabadoo. Got
2: it. Okay. That makes
1: more sense.
0: <laughs> and Scott's company is uh, dot, or you can go to his website, SummitRoute.com.
1: Yep. Or just well. check out flaws.cloud, right? We've posted that too. Um, and that's got links to summit route as well. Yep. Awesome. Are you, know, are,
2: are you going to be a DEF CON at all? Uh, I won't, unfortunately I'm getting a puppy this weekend, so oh, right, make it out there. Yep.
0: We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats on the new puppy. <laughs> Thank you. And congrats <laughs> to you, Seth, on uh, releasing hacker tracker.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say something about it. That's for, that's the DEF CON, well, I do the iOS version of Hacker Tracker. It's the DEF CON scheduling application. It's got the whole schedule on there. Now I'm I'm furiously gathering events that are going on that week. Um, it, I mean, we got crazy numbers. I'm, I'm going to have to start, like, figuring out different ways to, to slice and dice the events just because there's so much going on at DEF CON, right? There's the official tracks, which are pretty easy to, you know, parse through. But now you've got all of these different villages, and it looks like there's a list of like 20 of them and they all have, you know, 10 to 15 talks at least that are going on outside of the contests and events and everything else that's happening. So it's, it, it should be a useful tool. I mean, I'll, I'll end up using it, which was the whole point of, of me building it. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the same thing with Scott's tools. He
1: built it cause he needed it and used yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. I was I was gonna say, you know, Scott, like I, I played with flaws of that cloud. I don't think I've been through the whole thing yet, right? But it's been super useful as far as like, oh yeah, oh yeah. oh, that's right. Yep, yep. We can just do an NS lookup there, and that that tells us where, you know, everything's pointed at. And um, I mean, for people that need an introduction to cloud security, it seems to be pretty. Um, it, it's a it's a great tool. That's all I was gonna say. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah, Outside of that, right, like from a development perspective or, you know, someone getting into AWS you know, outside of the, you know, the tools that we talked about for specifically for the AWS environments, um, what recommendations do you have for someone that
2: is completely new to that space? Um, I mean, I, I do recommend uh getting like one of the certificates at least um, just cause it it's, it's a forcing function to like force yourself to learn these things. And at the end of the day, like now you have the certificate, you know, to, to kind of like prove to yourself at least, like you kind of know a little bit about it. Um, so, so doing that and, and, the best way or or the way that a lot of people do it is one, there's like um, you'll read through some of the white papers that AWS has. So it'll force you to read those. And then a A cloud guru is uh, the maker of some AWS videos um, that help you like on those certifications. Um, So that's what a lot of people will use is is purchase that in order to see those videos. Um, And, uh, and, and they do a good job of helping you out with those things. Uh, But other than that, I mean, like, Actually, just get a free tier account with AWS. Um, so when you sign up for an account, you have the first year free as long as like you're not doing too many crazy things. Uh, like you are going to be limited to like a single EC2 instance, and it's going to be the smallest instance. But like you can play around with it for free, and not you know. Um, you know, have to spend very much money or, you know, any money at all um, and, and like really get your feet wet and actually trying to like do some things and understand those. Uh, and, you know, a- again, like I'm, I'm partial to using Cloud Mapper, but like Cloud Mapper has a tool called or has a command in it called collect. And that will actually download like uh, JSON files of all the metadata about your account. Um, so, so I think that's really helpful when you're trying to understand like AWS to be able to see like, what what does all this information look like, especially if you start up your own account and then run Cloud Mapper Collect against it and then create an EC2 instance or something like that and then run Cloud Mapper Collect again and then do a diff between those two. And you'll be able to see like what does the actual metadata behind the scenes look like for how the account actually looks. Um, so so I would recommend doing that. And and when you start using AWS, uh, I think the most important thing is to turn on billing alerts for yourself at like $1, $5, $10, and these will send you an email if you end up like um, if any charges, I think it's estimated charges, but it might be like incurred charges, just so you don't end up like, you know, a a bill that's outside your abilities to pay, you know, Uh, so you don't end up like a $1,000 bill or something like that for the month. Um, so, So I think that's also important to do. Make sure you turn on Billing alerts. Yeah. So don't.
1: Okay. So so don't put your AWS keys in GitHub. Yep. Turn on billing alerts. I mean, unless you want to help out the crypto miners because yep. <laughs> you want to pay for them. Um, yeah. I, I mean, people. Ken and I talk about that all the time. Like people like dropping secrets into GitHub or you know their Git repositories and you know I I can't tell you how many root accounts that I found you know just from small companies where it's only like one or two guys. Mm -hmm. and yeah it might be private you know okay so it's not too bad but at the same on the same hand like you know all it is is one flag that's protecting you from just complete and utter you know probably company going under because i know they can't afford a, you know a fifty thousand dollar aws bill one month they just cannot do it so yeah so make sure that your source code doesn't doesn't include your aws keys or your yeah your aws keys um yeah outside of that i mean those are really good uh really good suggestions as far as what someone can do um i would i would suggest they that they hit you up on twitter right yeah. if that's if that's kind of your your preferred mode definitely um you know we, we always like to you know hook up people to be like mentors and mentees right if that's you know, if that's your interest and that's the uh, the space that you want to be in let's start there yeah um, they can also, email me. Yeah.
2: um, yeah, it's Scott at summer route.com is my email address. So they want to do it privately. I've DMS open though as well on Twitter. They want to send me one there.
1: Cool. Cool. Good. Um, yeah. Outside of that, um, Ken and I are still like, uh, we're doing our, um, Seth and Ken's excellent adventures in code review, um, at AppSec USA in October. So if anyone's interested there, uh, I believe those the registration is open for that. And then also AppSec Day in Melbourne, um, the week after uh, AppSec USA. So um, I think I
0: just saw a little bit of anxiety in your eyes when you said that
1: the week after.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm. I'm just trying to figure out the travel, getting from one to the other. And yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to do two back-to-back cross countries. So,
1: well, that, that. I mean, that sounds like a personal problem. I'm going to say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh. cool um yeah anything else can that you've got on your docket no i was gonna just uh
0: leave it up to scott to see if he wanted to um you know leave the leave the listeners leave folks with anything any remaining thoughts and uh say good night
2: yeah um let's see uh right now i mean mostly i'm just working on a cloud mapper and cloud tracker more so like look for continuous updates on those um i've been promising people for a while i'd make a flaws too um <laughs> that's more like focused on incident response and more focused on like actual blue teams um because Although it was originally made for my DevOps guys to learn, I think the people have gotten the most value out of it are like pen testers and bug bounty hunters and things like that. Um, and so, I want to make one that is more on like how to actually audit your own account, how to respond to incidents in AWS, things like that. Um, and so, so I hope to put out a flaws too. Uh, I keep promising it. Eventually, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, so those would be the next things. And, and again, you know, like I said, I, I do um, AWS security work. So, if you have any needs, you know, it's I. I do things beyond just the assessments, you know, whether it's like building these tools like Cloud Mapper and Cloud Tracker, you know, or helping people to actually, uh, you know, whether it's planning things or being able to better leverage some of the AWS security features like um, KMS and Cloud HSM and things like that, you know, those are also things that I'm capable of, which are, those are like the kind of key management solutions um, of AWS. So I'm available to help with those things as well.
0: Awesome. Well, we, you know, we appreciate you coming on. I know, I know listeners appreciate um, you coming on and sharing your knowledge and sharing your experience and answering a lot of questions. I know you got bombarded with questions. So, um, yeah, just, just thank you, I guess, is what, what I'd like to say. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks. And um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you out some stickers or some pins or something. Right. I, awesome. In you know, the least drop oh, them by but- or I can. Yeah, or I can even just put them in the mail. It'll be yeah. quick here. So,
0: Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I did want to say anybody who uh, wants swag, um, send it to absoluteabsec at gmail.com. So absoluteabsec at gmail.com. Send your name, physical address, and just something in the subject line like, give me
1: free stuff. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, You do have to dox yourself because it is like kind of a be- meat space thing, a sticker, right? Or you can find us at DEF CON right? Uh, If you want to go that route, but then you actually have to interact with us too. So I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of up to you. Either either way, we're going to see who you are. We may not know your name in one situation, but we do in the other and we don't. Yeah, your choice, right?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of excited Um, about that because I'm, so uh, GitHub, we're doing this uh, co thing with hacker one, where we're going to have like, yeah, because they're doing it each night with a few different companies. I won't mention the other companies, but uh GitHub's one of them. And we're gonna have like a hundred hackers come in and they're basically going to um that night get paid out. We're, we'll triage. So we're gonna be there from like early afternoon till early in the morning, um, just triaging whatever they might find on our like uh, the scope that we're giving them. And um, so it's actually really fun. But point being, I'll be like pretty. I think I'm gonna be pretty tired there at DEFCON, so it should be interesting.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, you should come do some other stuff too. But I guess I guess you can go work. That's cool. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I'm actually excited to see what these re- researchers find. These are some really good researchers, so uh, yeah. it should be really fun to meet and and to meet in person. You know, you get these bug bounty submissions, and you don't you don't necessarily get to like. I mean, you're talking over email and it's always nice. Just like Scott, Scott, we've talked over email before, but we never got to really interact like this. So this is, this is why I love this podcast. Yep. I think this is why both Seth and I love doing this podcast. We just meet, <clears throat> talk to people, you know, ask them questions.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, good. Uh, thanks Scott for coming on. Um, yeah. We're, we're pushing over an hour now, but um, yeah. And let us know if there's anything else. We'll send you any other additional questions that we get. Otherwise, we'll we'll catch you you know here locally or online.
2: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys.
0: Don't hang up just yet, guys. Um, but for the rest of everyone else, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, and have a good night.
1: Thanks, everybody.